Hello, and welcome back to the Careless Talk Climbing Podcast with Sam Pryor and Aidan Roberts. Joining us this week is David Mason. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know Dave, he's an absolutely prolific boulderer. Um, he's climbed upwards of 600 eighth grade boulders, I think. And I reckon if you include 70 pluses in there as well, he must be nearing a thousand. And having done that in the UK isn't, isn't always that easy because it's not the easiest place to stack up hard boulders because they're, they're quite spaced out. But, um, it's because he's also done it all the way around the world. He's been absolutely everywhere I could think of when I was looking down the list. Um, and in all those places, he's done all the, classic hard routes really so he's kind of been all the way around the world and done loads of the the enviable stuff but we don't talk too much about Dave's personal climbing it's a little bit more uh, of one of our kind of climbing based pub chats because despite being a fantastic climber um, Dave's like he's got a good he's a real thinker he's got a real sort of philosophical mind and i like the way he thinks um and it's quite fun just to just to talk about climbing really and and kind of delve a little bit deeper uh when we first started well when aiden and i first chatted about doing the podcast we said we we kind of wanted to do a slightly more zoomed out climbing podcast as we were calling it where we didn't focus that much on the ins and outs of people's personal climbing and actually sometimes we have and sometimes we haven't because just that's kind of the way the conversation's gone and I don't think we ever really wanted to be um too regimented because I always wanted a kind of free-flowing conversation and sometimes they go where they go um what do we talk about uh we talk about who really cares when people climb a route um you know do we take these things too seriously do we care as much as we think we do you know with how quickly the elation of an ascent fades um, you know, why are we kind of, we almost trick ourselves that it's going to be more important than it is every time. We talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about head gaming climbing, um, how like losing, losing your cool, getting angry could maybe not, even if it doesn't hold you back from climbing the, the, the route or the boulder or whatever you're trying, it might, um, ruin the experience of having climbed that boulder or route, uh, and certainly could, uh, be a real negative for everybody who's climbing with you at that time. We talk a little bit about what he's looking for in rock climbing and what what draws him to to the roots and the the boulders. Um, and we talk about what makes a good boulder. Uh, and have a long chat actually about because Dave's a coach and he coaches lots of the the members of the British team. We talk about how that affects his personal climbing and what that's like. Um, to be someone who kind of your job is climbing as well as your as well as your hobby and they're like is that as good on the inside in reality as it looks from the outside we have a bit of a chat about his experience when he was on the British team because he was on the British team about 10 years ago and how you know maybe his his head game wasn't actually good enough to do it but it's good it's cool insight um, and we have a little bit of a chat about the British Bouldering Championships just gone, um, and particularly one route because there was one uh, particular route at the end of semi-finals in the men that was um, the argument uh, going round is that it was potentially quite morpho, um, and it may be, it may not have been, but we kind of chat that through later. Uh, so we jump straight into a chat we were having uh, where we were talking about projecting, um, and we were talking about whether it's the best thing to just go out and jump on your project every time it's dry and you're free or if actually 
being a little bit cautious and waiting for the better conditions or any feeling fresher might be the way to go. All right. Thanks very much for listening. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it, to be patient? You know, like you can do something. Yeah. It's hard not to uh, just go there all the time until you've done it. But sometimes that's not the right way to do it, really. Yeah, that's yeah. I find that so hard. When when I'm really psyched on something, I just go there every time it's dry until I've done it. Yeah, um, which definitely makes you do things slower sometimes. Yeah, or yeah. That opportunity cost of doing other things, perhaps, or even yeah. just the enjoyment of going rock climbing. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, <laughs> like when you monotonous. really want to do something and you go so much. And when you end up doing it, like, did you actually enjoy that? Maybe, maybe you did, and that's that's fine. But I guess a lot of the time, I've definitely done things where I'm like, "Oh God, I'm glad I've done that." Yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. yes. And that shouldn't be really the reaction. I, I do. I've noticed a few times when climbing with people, um, somewhat recently, that some some when some people do a problem, it's more like a relief than an, than an excitement. And I've I've got to that period in my own climbing once or twice, but thankfully pretty rarely. But is that something that you guys have come across where it's just like you're you're only at this point relieved to do something and not like excited? I don't think I've had like soul relief. Like as in like I'll often be like that if I'm in very invested in something and like had doubts as to whether I would do it or not. There's like a lot of relief when you do do it. And it's kind of like, well, like kind of like satisfaction that you did it's over or like you did something mm. which you didn't think you could but it's not just like solely that there's like the excitement of actually doing something as well but i've never like delved so deep into the uh siege process mm. and succeeded yeah yeah i don't know for me i think my my relief is probably on things um i haven't had loads of really long sieges either i've had a, i've had a couple but i'd say my um my my relief is normally when i've been on trips and i feel like there's a time pressure and i really want to do that climb um and when i actually do it if i do it there's a relief i think there's a again it's like aiden said there's definitely a joy and a satisfaction for me there as well it's not just um it's not just a, a relief thing but there is a a form of relief um for sure yeah that's a good point actually because there's definitely like there's certain places you can go where like you can can have a pretty good idea that you might not be going back there as well like, like. yeah it's interesting though like this is something i mean i've spent my i'm i'm getting old now um but i've and i kind of wish i had the maturity for rock climbing that i have now when I was younger and I think if I'd had that when I was younger I'd have enjoyed trips climbs much more but I also think I'd have climbed a hell of a lot more maybe harder as well but definitely more stuff um with like some more like like maturity to it like as in what do you think impeded like you climbing well well that maturity in terms of like being like you know actually if i do this rock climb it doesn't matter too much like there's not if i do it that's great if i don't do it no one's going to care other than me and the amount i care after a day is probably gone so yeah yeah 
and by having that maturity and almost then I think it would have allowed me to do rock climbs much quicker. Yeah. But it's knowing that, that that's the way in order to, to be in order to climb kind of well and to let yourself climb the best you can. Whereas when you're so like, Oh, I need to do this climb. I need to do this climb. I might not come back here. Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. Oh, like all these things. It just impedes you doing the rock climb and builds it into something that isn't that enjoyable, I think. And like looking back from where I am now, I like, I think if I'd had that maturity, say when I was at least your age, Aiden, like I would have done a lot more. Um, and I just would have enjoyed it a lot more. Um, yeah, almost like a bit less like emotionally invested in that moment. Like, yeah, um, totally. Because I mean, I feel it doesn't like matter, you- does it? I I, I, kind of want to just like quickly jump in here because actually that's something that really impresses me from Aiden because I chatted to him in Switzerland when he was trying Alphane and you were so close and I said to him like you know how is it going to feel if you don't do it because I'm always fascinated by how people are going to feel if things don't go their way and you didn't seem that bothered like you, you know obviously you wanted to do it but you were kind of fully ready to be like well it'll still be here next season it's no big deal yeah um I like I definitely I really tried to rationalize that situation and was kind of pleasantly surprised when I actually did feel like that um part of me like because I never really I worked on that quite a bit and I haven't really project I was relatively new to like projecting projecting um so I didn't actually know how, exactly how I would feel walking away from it. But I remember that conversation. I'd like, that's how I felt like I should feel. Or like kind of mm. when I looked at it, it was like, I, I like, there's no real way to lose. Like I learned so much doing that. Like I really enjoyed trying it. It's actually just objectively quite good training as well. It's like quite a f- physical boulder and like um, had a really good time. So like walking away, not having done it, like I still enjoyed my time trying it learned loads like it didn't feel like a loss but then part of me almost expected that i'd tell myself that and then actually to step away i'd be like a bit devastated but thankfully that wasn't the case um and that yeah and that is the truth like isn't it like when you try something if you learn stuff while doing it and you have a good time actually if you don't do it does it really matter yeah like i know it's nice to have something to show but like what is yeah what, what do is, you have to show what do you have to show <laughs> what you because have to show actually is actually what you have to show is what you've learned and the enjoyment you've had actually having a tick in your logbook doesn't show anything because after a day or a week you're over it and no one else gives a shit yeah and that i think that's like the biggest thing that uh It took me a long time to realize that I came into climbing, I guess, having done competitive sport all my life. And I, when I first came into climbing, I like brought this competitive sport kind of mindset. And actually that's not, unless you're competing, um, it's, it's, it's not the mindset for climbing. And yeah, the end of the day, no one else gives a shit whether you do a, a boulder problem, a route, like, oh, someone's like, when Aiden, when you do Burden of Dreams, I'll be like, oh, that's sweet. Nice one. That's great. Yeah. And I'll be psyched for you. <laughs> but, but, then you'll, on. but then you'll carry on living your life. But then you know? I'll carry on living my life. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Johnny finally does that thing at Biblins, I'll be like, that is awesome. 
well done, mate. That's great because of all the perseverance you've shown. But for me, it's still impressive, the perseverance. Him going back year after year. Exactly, yeah. If he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it. But the perseverance the pers- exactly do it is amazing. The perseverance is exactly the same, regardless as to whether he does it or not. Like So it's like 99.99% of it is exactly the same, win or lose. Yeah. yeah. The um, only difference is he won't be going back another season. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can move on. Well, he 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 might then. You know, so I think sometimes you feel a bit lost, weird. Yeah, when it's you know finishing a good book theory, you know, like it just means you you it's over. You got to figure out something else to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember when um, we went to Norway um, in 2018. So Mina and I hadn't. It was a period of time when Mina and I weren't going on trips much together. She was mainly route climbing. I was only bouldering. So like she would go away here and I would go away there and then we'd come back and be together in the UK. Anyway, we we decided to go to Norway for two weeks on a bouldering trip. Okay. So, and then close to the time, the first five days of the bouldering trip, Mina was actually going to climb at Flatanger with a Norwegian friend and I was going to boulder. Then she was going to join me to boulder. Then the weather was pretty bad and basically most of the boulders were kind of wet and most of the time so the two-week bouldering trip actually turned into me going to Flatanger for a week so I had a few days bouldering went to Flatanger for a week then a couple of days bouldering and then I went home uh in fact we both flew home because we had a wedding but Mina had got like invested in this project and so she flew back out to Norway so a two-week bouldering <laughs> trip turned into a five-week route uh, root climbing trip with Alex and Ella's wedding in the middle and uh, it was get she basically had one one or two days left and she hadn't done this route and basically in the cave and flatanger the routes are so long that realistically you you probably only get one red point a day maybe two mm. um so basically she probably had one red point left and she'd been falling really high on this like the end of nordic plumber is this like really slopey rail and i think in essence it's only like v4 to v6 it's not stupidly hard but it's a slopey rail you've just done 80 meters of burly cave climbing and so on and we had she was like do you know like i'm anyway we had this chat and in the end i basically said to her look no one gives a shit whether you do this route like it doesn't (laughs) matter whether Mm. you do this like you'll go tomorrow you'll tie in and you'll do what you do if you do it that's great if you don't do it you've still done spent you've learned a lot you've had a great time you've got fitter you've been in norway which is a very very cool country and i was just like look go there enjoy it and just give it everything enjoy the fight and see what happens and she i mean yeah it she did actually do the route the next day but she said it was a really big release for her to hear me actually say no one gives a shit if you do the route. Yeah. And, I think because um, it feels like it can be interpreted in like a few, like I can see how in some ways it's almost like, it's almost disappointing to hear it in that like you might be invested in other people giving a shit about what you're doing. Or like you might kind of, I don't know, I feel like I somewhat part of me would like for people to care a bit about like the stuff I do. Mm. However, at the same time, it's quite liberating to know that, like, it's quite freeing to feel that, like, the stuff you're doing is, like, because you're motivated to do it and you're not 
doing you're doing it independently of like others expectations as well like it's quite like a I don't know the idea of like other people not giving a shit I'm quite conflicted about it but like it does feel quite freeing um it's not that they don't care at all though and like I said like you know like when someone does something you know like you did you did Isles of Wonder sit this this summer I know you'd put some time into that when you told me you'd done it i was really psyched for you it's like that's awesome it's cool that you've climbed a really cool piece of rock but like so i do care whether you do something but it doesn't change anything about my life and therefore i guess in the simplest in a very simple way of saying it whereas if i'd said to mina i really care but actually blah 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 that would kind of lose its potency yeah saying no one gives a shit it has a bit of a potency to it so yeah, it's not it's, that people don't care. Yeah, yeah. But it's almost a relief. It like allows you just to I can uh, climb with no like feelings of pressure as well. I think it's yeah. it's extra true when it doesn't change your perception. So with uh, using the Isles of Wonder example, I fully believed that you were capable of doing it. So when you did do it, it didn't change my perception at all. So obviously I was pleased for you, but nothing changes i i previously thought of you as someone who could have done that and i still think of you as someone who could have done that because you did do it and it's the same with mina on that route like it's not a surprise to me that she did do it because either way i would have believed that she could have it's just confirmation of a conjecture but i I believed it anyway so it's only really when someone does something that i'm like wow i didn't think they could do that 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 it's kind of changes things a bit more i guess it doesn't change anything not of my no, but it changes at least my perception. You're just like, oh, nice, that's even better, <laughs> which is cool, which is really nice, and that's part of why we do it, isn't it? Like, I don't know, some of my best moments in climbing are like actually other people climbing things. Yeah, you know, like yeah. being there and supporting them, spotting them, brushing their holds, maybe helping them with beta, and then them climbing something. That's like some of my best moments. Um, which is, I, 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 I don't know, do you get other sports where you have that? Probably you do. Like, I guess maybe in like snowboarding when someone lands like the first 1060 or whatever, or like everyone is so psyched, like, you know, videos when you see like, yeah, Tony Hawk in skating. Yeah. And like that fit. And everyone like runs on and so happy and there's a lot of, and I guess that's the kind of feeling that you get when other people climb things. That's really yeah. nice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Climbing is quite nice, isn't it? You can actually play it big role in that in a supporting role as well yeah, yeah. no it is i i said it in we were out in rocklands it's a team sport like yeah it, you can do it by yourself but sometimes you can't and sometimes it's it, you wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for everyone around you and that makes it that makes it like more fun yeah um but one of my favorite moments when you're climbing with other people is that when someone breaks through a crux that they didn't believe they could do and maybe they fall off afterwards but their face like the moment they it's that, yeah, like, yeah. that like ecstatic shock. Like, you know, surprise. So psyched, but so shocked. It's like so cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Especially when you've kind of been standing there being like, I know you can do this. You just need to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then they actually do it and they've surprised themselves. It's as, as if they didn't know they could do it. And they, yeah. yeah, they don't have. Yeah. Could, it, could I press you, Dave, to an example when you got in your own way when you were younger then with like maybe on a rock trip or something? Um. Yeah, I don't know if I um I actually 
I'm trying to think if actually any of me getting in my own way has resulted in me not doing things. And I'm I'm sure it has, but I can't think of situations off the top of my head. But I just know that I haven't had as much enjoyment on that boulder and I've maybe made um I've made it's maybe not been enjoyable for Mina to be there as well. Like I've been angry if I've fallen off and um I yeah. I used to climb with a lot of should. Um oh I should have done that. Oh I should have done that. Oh what and and so on. Um and so I think that's the biggest thing. I, I'm I'm I definitely used to I'm I can be angry still and I definitely used to ne- be known for being angry and I think I would be angry in front of friends but Mina has definitely borne the brunt of my most of my frustration and anger like I would step up my anger for her I don't know why <laughs> we've always joked that it was like because I don't want her to think I'm shit not that she ever would and therefore it matters even more how I climb in front of her yeah um, you see it all the time the people who get the worst like the worst the, the brunt of it as you say is the people who their person's closest to yeah i yeah. guess that kind of makes sense like as in like if you're so familiar with them like you almost like uh will try to like you won't try to be anyone else but yourself in that situation like yeah. like someone you don't know you might be a little bit reserved and like yeah. and like yeah don't know how they react react but you'll be very authentic when you with someone you so well we all wear these like slight masks the whole time don't we to try and be a little bit better than we really are <laughs> except with the people who are closest to us who know who we really are so we kind of can let that drop <laughs> yeah yeah although i think as a, like i should have learned over the years that actually maybe it would be not that i needed to wear a mask but i needed to work on those out outbursts <laughs> um because i know that yeah on certain trips and certain boulder problems at times it hasn't been enjoyable for Mina and that's not fair on her Does so it? yeah I, I don't think I I don't think it's not that I don't think it's not that I've ever done these things I just potentially could have done them more quickly or I could have enjoyed the moment a lot more um yeah I was gonna I was gonna ask that because like obviously uh it has a potential to affect the people who you are then climbing with but do you find that it really can like inhibit your own like experience as well? If you do feel like frustrated, so frustrated by a boulder, like does it kind of like somewhat uh, cloud what could be quite like a euphoric moment? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the way I've behaved in the past bouldering isn't ever, isn't something I'm proud of um, at times and, um, it's something I've worked a lot on um, since meeting Mina. It's taken me a long time. Um, and that's why I said I wish I'd had, like, I, I'm sure you will have moments, Aiden, where you lose it. Or, like, when I watch, like, Aiden or Jim or Billy or Nathan, I like, I'm sure they have moments when they're not happy or when they lose it or whatever, all these things. But I also look at them and I'm like, oh, I, I really wish I'd had that maturity when I was their age. Um, and that's and and I think it's a real skill. Um, and some people maybe it's just the way they are, and 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 they haven't had to work that hard on it. Some people maybe they have to work really hard on it, and and that's really cool. And uh, 
I've had to work really hard on it. It's just taken a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it definitely is. Um, there are definitely moments probably where, yeah, you're not as happy about doing something and maybe it is just that relief um, a bit more. I definitely always have some enjoyment from doing something, but um, I think also I've never been a, um, for me, climbing's, it's in, bouldering has never been about like grades. It's been about, which is kind of weird with the way I am, but it's never really been about grades. It's about collecting climbs, which I also don't like, <laughs> but <laughs> about collecting climbs. And for me, I've always wanted to climb the best thing at the area where I am or the best things. And um, yes, that can be an 8C or an 8C plus, but mostly for me, I feel like that's at least when I was traveling more, that was up to about 8B. Um, and so for me, I wanted to go to an area and climb the very best things. Um, and that's always been what climbing has been about. It's not been about being able to be able to climb my hardest. I'm not bothered about climbing 8C. I'm not bothered about if there's a boulder I want to climb, that's AC. That's great, but I'm not bothered about climbing that. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you a little bit about this because there is like a, I think it's an often like misinterpreted distinction between like being inspired by the difficulty of something or like climbing at your limit, um, and then like kind of grade hunting or for one of better words. Um, that are very different things like you can have a discussion which isn't about grades at all and be like honest about like difficulty being inspiring even if it's not like even if that's sometimes at the detriment of the quality of a boulder like i think we spoke to will uh both about this on the podcast about like uh i think in context to his trip to um uh czech republic um mm. about like perhaps objectively like the quality of the rock and the lines aren't quite as high in, as in uh, like some like i don't know swiss granite in, or like brione or something but like the element of just like raw difficulty can be quite like inspiring as well i definitely find that i have that as well like kind of i'm really interested in difficulty and often that can mean i've invested time in things which are a bit grotty and yeah not the nicest things to try but it can often i think it can be misinterpreted for someone who's just like looking around for the ego boost of grades um yeah. but do, you, do you find difficulty or like kind of difficulty by your own standards something that's quite important to you when you're looking for like a boulder yeah i do now um i don't think i think in the past for me it's as i said it's not been about doing a grade it's about collecting these boulders and and as I said, whether that's right or wrong, whatever. I, so I let's say I go I go on a trip to Rocklands. So I'm at 2011, first trip to Rocklands. I had all these like grand thing plans that I wanted to do sky and this and that. And I went there and I couldn't pull off the ground really on sky. So so that was fine. But then I have like for I also wanted to I had all these boulders I'd like to climb. And so for me, it's always been about mileage and it's about being an all rounder from a bouldering perspective and being able to climb, you know, I'm not very good at slabs, but other than that, anything, whether it's a compression, a crimp boulder, if the best boulder in a place is a crimp line, an 8A plus crimp line, I want to do that. If it's an 8B compression boulder, I want to do that. If it's a 7C 
slab i'd like to try and do that if that's what it's always been about for me <laughs> and then i got to a point where basically i'm either not traveling as much and i've done most things and so now difficulty is much more important to me um and again it doesn't matter whether it's the grandest of lines it's about how cool the moves are and what it's giving to me and um and that's why i think potentially if i would have climbed harder boulders technically if i'd had that mindset at an earlier age but i wouldn't have climbed nearly as many of the boulders as i have climbed so it's yeah. like whether you value that spire or that mine's not even a mine's not even a pyramid mine is a pancake <laughs> yours is a pancake a yeah. cherry a tiny little cherry on top <laughs> maybe a pea a pea on top <laughs> oh it's quite it's quite cool to hear how like your kind of like what is in, you look for in a boulder has changed a lot over the years well over the time as well yeah and what, what i thought was interesting is it's gone the other way to what most people would say i feel like yeah. most people say like that they kind of care more about the just the quality of the line and less about the difficulty as they get older whereas you've gone the other way well it's because i've done it yeah <laughs> i mean i haven't done everything that's not true but i've got to a point where basically like you know like I've barely climbed this summer since coming back from Font in May. I've barely climbed, and that's due to a few things. But one of the main reasons is that everything I have to do in the peak, from a bouldering perspective that's on limestone, which is what you climb on in the summer, obviously, is really, really hard for me because I've done everything else. And so I need to be a better climber in order to do those things. And at the moment, I'm not a better climber. So what's the point in me going out on them there's there isn't any point there's nothing for me to learn but in a way it would have been better to do be doing that when i was 25 and now have loads of seven b's and seven c's to do when i because mm. i don't have as much time um mm. having said that i couldn't have done these boulders when i was 25 a they weren't there <laughs> some of them <laughs> and b i think i'm a be much better climber now than i was when i was 25 so i guess i wish i was as good as aiden and jim when i when i was their age but which i wasn't so that's silly to say <laughs> <laughs> but you must you must also be so you must be proud of how much you've done because your yeah. logbook is stacked it's like 600 odd climbs above 8a which is yeah a lot yeah yeah I, I think for my ability i'm not an 8c climber i'm not even an 8b plus climber going out and doing aas i'm an 8b climber who's done whatever whatever 600 and so eights so it's not so like these many. things that they are under me but they're not way under me i've never been an 8b plus climber i've climbed 8b plus but i'm not an 8 i've never been an 8b plus mm. climber and therefore they're not a huge amount below my maximum and so it's it so yeah i mean also i've i've in a way i've fulfilled that thing of what i wanted to do i wanted to go to rocklands and do the best boulders that were there and yes there's living large and the finish line and Amanda, there are things that are, are better that I haven't done, but I, I would say I've done a lot of the best boulders. You know, I've been to Flock Hill. I've done. Mm. I've travelled all over the world, and I've what well, I've done what I would describe as most of the best boulders in an area that were possible for me. Let's say. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear 
almost a mention of a Gwai Crimp line in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I noticed you got the first half of a mandala. It's like it got stuck in your throat. No, a mandala is amazing. So actually, the last time I went to Rockland yes. in 2017, my aim was to do a mandala. And I, again, I tried it and was just like, I'm just not good enough. And it's really hard to get conditions because it sits in the sun all day and I struggle with skin anyway. Um, but yeah, I went there to do a mandala. Like for me, it was, and the other climb I wanted to do was Murta in at Cape Town, which is Ooh. even crimpier. Yeah, that <laughs> thing looks really crimpy. Oh my god, it's ridiculous! You'd have a good flash going actually, Aiden, if you ever go. It looks um, looks amazing. That it's thing. really yeah, all... cool. It's a bit dabby at the end. It's also hard if you're tall at the end for sure because it's dabby. But um, uh-huh. it's it's really good. But it's really crimpy. So my two, I love crimping. I look and anyone to you can't describe a mandala as a grotty crimp line. It's a beautiful <laughs> overhanging wall. It's like one of the best overhangs in the world. It is and incredible. It's big. When yeah, you get under big. it, you're like, oh whoa! I can it's, see why people get a bit wigged out at the top. Yeah, yeah. it's tall, isn't it? It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. cool. Keeps um, going. Yeah, no, that that is an amazing wall. Yeah, yeah. The so sit, the sick would be grotty. <laughs> yeah, I, ne- I never looked at that. Surprisingly enough. <laughs> um yeah so for me it was just always about climbing the best things and definitely something you guys have spoken about on your podcast uh, with not with everyone but with it's been a recurrent theory is this thing of um uh, it's definitely boulder bouldering especially is growing towards being a specialist and if Mm. you want to be the best boulder in the world or as close to the best boulder in the world you have you kind of have to go towards being a specialist bar a few people i think and for me that's never been what bouldering has been about it's always been about being able to do as much variety as possible for me like i remember i think i'd climbed a few eight b's but my goal was to climb eight a plus on sandstone limestone granite and gritstone and then my goal was to climb eight b on all those four rock types and that's always been my goals um because to me that shows a breadth of climber and that shows a good climber it doesn't mean you can't be a good climber obviously but for me it shows a really good climber that and that's what that's what inspires me more than anything actually i think it's quite it's quite um it's not always so easy to like necessarily just like step back and like kind of like really define like what inspires you or like what uh what you really want out of your client like it's very easy just to like roll with it and like kind of like do one problem and be like oh what next like i've done this problem there's this hard one at the crag trying to just like to actually like take a step back and be like oh look i want to do like this these boulders and all these different rock types and have to be a generalist in order to do it it's like um maybe not always that easy to do but uh do you when you look back on all that time you did climb like the with your focus on being like a generalist at the time was it quite like an active decision to like be like i want to do all of this on all of these climbs or was it more just like i want to go to this place in the world and this is the obvious one to do in flock hill this is the obvious one to do in rocklands and no, it's always been about just doing as much as i could do at any place i went and in as many different styles as possible because i love for me i love climbing i hate resting i'm not i'm not like as i've just listened to the podcast with jim i'm i obviously don't have the work capacity that jim has 
But for me, it's just always been climbing about as much as I can climb when I go to an area and immersing myself in that style. So when you go to like Flock Hill, most of the lines at Flock are pretty big and they're quite like burly technical climbing. And so it was about doing as much as that. And then you go to Castle Hill and it's all about v4 mantles and so it's going around and trying as many of those as possible and like developing that skill and i think um i was gonna say growing up but i didn't start climbing till i was a bit older but i think for me like being in lead in being in leeds for university and climbing on the grit and then coming back to sheffield and climbing on i think gritstone provide basically only rewards an all-rounder all-rounded climber and so i think growing up with gritstone as my where I climbed most of all, it it rewards a an all round climb climber, and that's so. Therefore, that's kind of what I enjoyed the most. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you glad? Are you glad looking back on it all? Yeah, for sure. I've got some really like fond memories, and actually, at the beginning of the first, uh, sorry, during the first lockdown, um, I uh, I made a video of. Um, I was just like, I guess because we couldn't climb on rock, I was looking back through like footage and stuff. And I made a video of, uh, I don't know how many boulders it was, but like my kind of some of my proudest ascents in one video. And I did a little bit of writing about each one. Yes, so I like, saw say it. like sky and then a little bit of write, a bit of a blurb, and then it would show me climbing it. And um, was this when you switched from Vimeo to YouTube? It was actually uploaded on Vimeo. Um, no, I didn't switch until it was uploaded on Vimeo. In fact, it got loads of likes on Vimeos and hits and watches. I think it's got about five watches on YouTube. <laughs> that was purely that was purely that I just had to end up paying more for Vimeo. Um, and so I made this video and like, you know, looking back on that, being like the boulders I've climbed, I don't think I, yeah, I wouldn't exchange that and. I maybe could have climbed harder if I'd just put more time into one hard boulder, but that's not the way my yeah, head you, was at the time. And um, you and would maybe have lost some of those others as well. Yeah, I would have. And maybe I couldn't have climbed harder. You know, like sometimes I think we hold ourselves back by maybe not believing enough in ourselves. And sometimes we maybe deceive ourselves by thinking we could have been something that we were not. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's just part of the human condition, that part. Yeah, and you never um, know. You never know which one it is. But... People, yeah, people tend to give themselves the benefit of the doubt in hindsight. Um, yeah. But because uh, I've seen that video of your top 10 climbs, uh, and I remember because I, I know that you you love the, the big lines and the proud boulders and there's like loads of them were really tall and there was that one, a really tall one at Flock Hill, which just looks like one of the best boulders in the world. Yeah, I might have... Cool fatal floor yeah yeah it, that is at flock hill i got yeah. that right oh yeah. cool um but then suddenly sandwiched in the middle of that was paper birds at the gop which was such a shock an absolute classic <laughs> which is a for everyone else who, who doesn't know the gop is a small <laughs> venue all the boulders are short it's lime i'm taller than it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like it was so funny the way it was sandwiched in there is this like little complete shock why was that in there um so there's good hit like again for me there's like a approach so in 2008 or 9 uh chris doyle took me and ned and ben thompson to the gop for the first time so chris and the Cattells had been climbing there and 
we we did some of the boulders and we didn't do some of the others. And then there was this like obvious line, this proud line of these guys, <laughs> this slightly squeezed in a limit between two, well, not a limit, this squeezed in line that uses handholds from one climb and handholds from another climb to climb a gap in the middle of the rock. And uh, Ned got really close to it. I, I, I definitely wasn't strong enough at the time. I tried it a bit, but I wasn't strong enough. Ned got really close. He fell off like the last move, I think, and and didn't do it. And uh, and then I guess we never went back for ages. And then um, Dan Knight, uh, who was um, he was working at, um, in Liverpool, however many years later, he went and he, he did it. And uh, um, Paper Birds was born. and. Um, I went back over the years and couldn't touch it. Um, and then, um, and then in 2015, I was, I'd been training for King of Limbs. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, it's quite, quite apt. It's a little, yeah, it's a little bit apt, shouldery for sure. Um, mm. And so I had been training for King of Limbs and I, I'd, I'd been having the odd session on paper birds and still wasn't good enough. All right, I want to go and try this A B plus in South Africa. And I'm not good enough to do this A A plus in Wales. <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, had this, I was going to Wales for the weekend to stay with uh, Katie Whitaker and Alex Hazelhurst. And um, I was like, oh, on my way to Wales on the Friday night, because the GOP is, for those who don't know, the GOP is like on your way to the mountains in North Wales. So anyway, I was like, oh, I'll, st- I'll stop in and I'll have a session. And I stopped in and I did it mm. like, and I was so happy. I drove home. All I wanted to do was <laughs> tell Mina that I'd done. So I just, I was like, I phoned Katie and was like, I'm, I'm not coming this weekend. I drove home, surprised Mina, uh, stopped at Chester services for a McDonald's, always stop at Chester services <laughs> on the way back from Wales. I just drove I home. F- it's Go funny on. you say you stopped at McDonald's. I had my first ever McDonald's after my day at the GOP. I was, hey! I, I was, I was, I was roped in by Tim Blake. He said it was a fantastic meal. Oh, it was incredibly mediocre. I mean, Tim is, <laughs> nah, Tim's got a great body. He definitely looks like the epitome of eating well and fitness. Um, Tim, the enigma. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, um, I did it, and I drove home and surprised Mina, and I walked in at like half past nine on a Friday evening, having left at four o'clock or whatever. And uh, yeah, to me, it just meant a lot. Like mm. it's a hard boulder problem if you're tall. The the spaces are tiny. I think actually being tall helps a little bit on the first move, but the second and third move, the spaces are so small. Yeah, um, high feet. Yeah, really high lucky. feet. Um, it's not my style. I'm not very good at locking. It's I wouldn't have many goes because the right hand is very is quite sharp because you just hold on so tight. It's not horrible hold. You just hold. And um, yeah, I was just so like made up to do that boulder problem. Like, and yeah, like say it's a shitty four move limestone thing at a cave that I'm taller than. <laughs> ah, but let's let's not do it. Other than the height, the crag is great. <laughs> oh yeah, the golf is one of my favorite crags in the country. I love the move. It's so cool. It's funny. It's like- so. The reason why the GOP is so good in, is uh, it's, it's probably like, a, I don't know, 70-degree overhanging cave of limestone. And most limestone in the UK is quite positive but small holds. But the yeah. GOP isn't. It's mostly quite slopey, open-handed, kind of pinchy. And you have to develop all this tension with your body and your feet. 
And so it's very atypical for limestone climbing in the UK. And therefore, it like creates, I think, really interesting and unique movement. Um, yeah, it's really, I, I love it. it's really like toe down, body tension, like I think hamstrings and, and hamstrings. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not very good at glutes <laughs> and hamstrings. So. They, uh, they definitely carry you on that one. But, yeah, uh, I mean, so I ticked the gop and then Danny did paper birds sit start and I... Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I don't think I'm good enough to do that at the moment. So uh, we'll see. I maybe have and, to. Uh, adds only. Adds only. Yeah, but only I have a to move. Do paper birds again. Yeah, <laughs> and you get the first. You get the first left hand slightly worse, which maybe makes it a bit harder. Yeah. But for me, paper the, birds is one of the hardest bowls I've done in my life. Like hands down. A lot of a, a few um few people have uh, mentioned it as being a bit um hard for the grade. Anyway. Yeah, it's a hundred percent not AA plus, but that's just my opinion. But I, well, I do, matter. I do love the story though because it just shows that you can't separate the experience from the boulder. So, like objectively speaking, nothing at the GOP should really deserve to be in your top ten all-time boulders. But I love that it is because they're all just you know avenues to an experience boulder problems are all just a way for you to kind of generate a really good time with a really feeling like meaningful end because you know it's like doing a really hard crossword you know it's just it's just so satisfying to do something that that's really hard yeah i think superman was in there as well wasn't it and that's oh, exactly yeah, the same yeah it was I mean, that's yeah probably even worse but because that's an eliminate as well yeah but because of the experience mm. i had on that for me mm. it, it's up there as one of the best moments in in my climbing mm. and like how much hate the cops game my top 10 are purely <laughs> comprised of the got problem <laughs> <laughs> i love I mean, that's the thing for me i love i love big lines but i love little grotty lines as well it doesn't climbing is can be anything i'm not yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter to me what it is i love just climbing um it's actually one of, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I've actually never been that bothered about first ascents because I love going climbing. Mm. And first ascents mean you do a lot of not climbing. Um, it's yeah. a very different experience, isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, I think the thing I really like about maybe not even necessarily first ascent, but even boulders, which I go to having like not really looked, seen much about, is like, the puzzling process of trying to like figure out new methods and like kind of like it's kind of just like a complex puzzle which like you kind of like find a solution but you really don't know if it's a good one and like kind of figuring out all the nuances of a, yeah. a climb I do quite like but you do definitely get a lot less done like yeah. you go with like beta videos to inspect every you maybe do it in like a fraction of the time as to put is if you like somewhat replicate the first ascent where you try and figure out every move at a time. Yeah. Um, so especially on like a time limited trip, it makes a lot more sense not to, which is true. Like I've definitely done a lot less developing on trips than I ever would do at home. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? To, um, to develop a bit more in the place that you spend most of the time for sure. And it's not the end of the world. If you come back empty handed, having driven 15 minutes from your house. <laughs> yeah mm. yeah and that's a really good perspective to have again like do you know what? i think five or ten years ago i definitely wouldn't have had that perspective you know like every time i went out i had to come back with a tick 
and that's just like a whatever an ego thing or um i definitely don't feel like that now but um i definitely did used to feel like that um yeah i think that can be i've spoken to some people with that more recently as well who like kind of feel the same thing and it often feels like it can sometimes get in the way of like uh like good experiences like i think uh I actually, I had this, like, I had a day when I was in Switzerland, actually, where I really, um, really noticed this. I, like, I downloaded, or not downloaded, you don't, I'd made an account on UKC because um, Jim and Sam Sam were, like, so psyched on it. Um, And we were, like, logging the things that we'd done. And I've never done that before. I've never just had, like, an online log. And, I mean, I had a private account. Oh, no, you can still see when people have done stuff, can't you? But You can see that you've done it, but it says hidden. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But if, yeah, you, if yeah. someone says they've flashed Vecchio Leone and we know that you're in Switzerland, probably chances are it's true. <laughs> and if, sure, if a few weeks later it comes out on my Instagram. <laughs> but um, but like uh, I had like I can't remember which day I had a day where I had a really good day out, like just figuring things out. I may it might be when I went to Bavona. I did nothing that day anyway. I'm pretty sure I did nothing, but like, I was like, just like puzzling out all these boulders. I remember just like thinking it was like a really fun day out. Uh, and then Sam and Jim logged, like logged all their climbs at the end of the day. And maybe it was a day Jim did heritage or something, which is like really cool. Obviously like, um, I was actually teaching some maths at the time, which was a shame. I missed that. But, <laughs> but, but um, I like ended, I was logging nothing, but I was like, hang on a minute. Like, I've had such a nice day out. Like it's been really fun. Like I've like, uh, yeah, just had a really nice time in a really cool place. But if I look back on my, like, if I use this as my measure of looking at what climbing I've done, it feels like it's a really like skewed perspective on like what defined a good time for me. Yeah. Um, so kind of like think that whole idea of like feeling like you need to do something every time you go out can sometimes slightly, uh, yeah i feel like it can like kind of inhibit a bit of a perhaps like what a good day out can be um yeah for sure like i think sometimes can yeah i don't know if it's necessarily always helpful um, i think it can i just think you at the time if that's your perception of you never think of that you never think it can it it takes a few years to realize that actually that wasn't that that wasn't the be all and end all. I mean, also you can have a really fun time going out and doing a bunch of seven C's or a bunch of seven A's or a bunch of sixes or whatever. Like, it, it, but it's that need to go yeah. home with a tick rather than just going out to climb a bunch of climbs. And as a byproduct, you maybe do climb them, but actually yeah. you've had you've had a really fun day. Um, so yeah, you can end up doing the same things, but your attitude being slightly. Slightly, yeah, different. slightly different. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm, it's a lesson you kind of have to learn for yourself, isn't it? You kind of, yeah. you can't hear that from someone else and start doing it. But I do feel people who feel like, because we were speaking to Jack Palmieri, weren't we, the other day, Aiden? And he said that he's someone that every time he goes out, he wants to do something. Those people tend to have pretty broad pyramids, <laughs> yeah. you know, flat, flat bottom pyramids, probably, but like they'll do a lot with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah, you saw. Uh, which year was it? Was it 20, 2020? Jack's nearly 108s in a year. Yeah, he did like 98 that or was, something, didn't yeah. he? That was yeah. last year. Last year, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah which is kind of not really a thing in the UK. <laughs> that is yeah. impressive, considering, yeah, he's done them all in the UK. He did yeah. Ne- nearly, yeah. He nearly did 108 in, in one year in the UK. Well, yeah. I'm I'm going to do that this year, and they're all going to be from Forest Rock. Nice. <laughs> you better you better get cracking because you haven't got many months left. <laughs> How oh, many no, you it's going to it's going to be a calendar year from the day I went to Rockland. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I'm not I'm not really going to do that. There's no way. <laughs> Rocklands doesn't count. It's UK only. It's going to do really intricate, different eliminates where i take out one hold and just move it yeah, yeah. For an extra, one, extra grade each time one hold further down i think Jakob, <laughs> doesn't Jakob do that on pretty much any bouldering trip he goes on oh i've been away for three weeks oh i've done 100 eights and above yeah god yeah. i think he usually averages a couple of eights a day doesn't he i remember that was it when he went to rocklands that set, he did like a 17 day trip to rocklands a couple of years ago and he did like 55 eight, eight a's and above in 17 days which is yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's when you like, isn't it? yeah, rock climbing can't be that fun for you. <laughs> you're just yeah, too good. Yeah. There, there's there's the same thing that happens in Magic Wood. Like if you're if you're above a certain strength level when you go to Magic Wood, you do so much. Yeah, for sure. There's like a threshold, and if you're above that, you know, world class standard, you just get everything done. Yeah, you need yes. to have a lot of capacity there as well. It's like a you have to have a it, it needs to be a world class capacity not just mm. strength i think yeah uh, i kind of see that yeah like you see it more with like comp climbers delving yeah. outside of it these days like the volume of stuff which gets done on rock is insane yeah like jacob and um uh nikolai as well he's a yeah, young yeah. austrian guy the austrian. they get, sometimes go on trips and they seem to just get like insane amounts of volume done i um, went to um Waco Tanks in 2008 and I was there in January and I met um there was an Austrian team out like Anna and Kata uh Jorg I know he's not Austrian but basically is and um a couple of others Luki Einemoser and Emmy Mooseberger and they were all comp climbers and they were there for three weeks it was like they had like you know like they do a bunch of training they have a two to three week rock trip they do a bunch of training they compete that tends to be what their like years were like then and i remember like uh, i i think i climbed up to 8a plus that trip but i just remember like i went out with them for a few days climbing and i was like my god you've just done like seven or eight seven c pluses in a day i was like whoa i was just like my god these guys capacity is so incredible the volume um, they can have yeah like so yeah. much climbing yeah it's it's amazing it's really cool i was like really inspired by that um yeah yeah i notice it even when i go to like a uh climbing wall i like finished i had like a little a spell of like climbing around the uk the last over the summer and then like um went to a climbing wall where there's obviously like loads of problems to try and I'm used to trying like one problem every like two days or something. <laughs> like, yeah. And just like having a session in the climbing wall, like I was absolutely cooked by the end of it as well in the heat. But yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Physically and, and uh, metaphorically. Metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different, different I, game. I find not, not everybody has the appetite 
to do that much in a day even if they could so like if i do something i'm really happy of a day my psych level decreases to keep climbing that day because i feel like that's a good day done i'm just going to be happy i'm going to sit and watch other people and then i'm going to go home happy whereas like some people just like oh great well i've got more time to do more stuff yeah Yeah. i sometimes find that if i had if i go out with like a big focus for the day because i think such a big part of like climbing well outside or like doing hard things outside is like finding that extra gear where you like kind of like uh can tap into like once you figured a problem out to actually just like do a problem but i often find like if i find that gear and like try really hard to do a problem the rest of the day like i can have such a hard time on really easy climbs like i find it really hard to climb well after that yeah i definitely have that at times it's i think it's a balance it's like knowing when to be like oh, okay i'm happy with that and sit and enjoy the rest of the day or sometimes you're like well i think i could do a bit more and i think the hard thing is when you you're really happy with something then you try something else and you don't do it and you let that taint the the, the day and mm. um you should always yeah you've got to be happy with what you've done i think yeah, I, yeah. It's just kind of the way the mind works. Like we, we're much better at remembering the last period of of an experience. Yeah. Um. Because they've tested this with like a like a surgery, where they know the order of the stuff they're going to do in the surgery, uh, like the way you know which bits are more painful, and if you do the more painful bits right at the end, the person thinks will report afterwards that it was a really painful experience. But if you do the more painful bits in the middle and then it's less painful towards the yeah, end, they remember it as being that you remember it as being less painful. So I found that and that exact thing happened to me when I was out in Rockland, where I had like a really good day um, where I did like three, three things I was happy with, like three hard climbs, which is super rare for me to do three hard climbs in a day. Um, but then I tried the fourth thing and I fell off the last move of, of a fourth hard thing. And it was really hard to walk back to the, to the car and not be a bit sad because i because i'd just fallen off the last move or something so i was like it's like a really conscious effort um it was a good day but it was nearly a great day yeah well also i guess because i joked with nathan because it was also the only day in our five weeks in rockland where i climbed everything that he climbed and almost climbed something extra Ah. that was the only day in the whole trip that i kept up with nathan so maybe that was a part of it so what you're saying is if you'd one-upped him it would have felt even better because i must say that i'd had a rest day the previous day and he was about ninth day on as well but (laughs) (laughs) but that aside they're not um, very good at resting no they they don't they don't rest um but yeah it's just it's really interesting where it's like if you call it early and you call it on a success it's much easier to just be like that was a great day. Yeah, I guess the biggest, the most impressive thing is to have a success and then fall off the last move of it and still say it was a great day. That's more impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. And, yeah. and you can do it. You just need to actively remind yourself. Yeah. I always think that's one of the best reasons I've ever f- had for taking videos of climbs I do. Because like no one, no one cares about videos of climbs I do, but I care. And when I watch them back, it makes me happy to see that. Like, oh wait a minute, I did, I can climb sometimes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think that's like, yeah. For me, you, you like personally, you take. I guess you. The first thing for me is I take video if 
because it may from an analytical point of view I can watch it and I can learn and mm. then the second thing is for my own enjoyment and I guess the third thing is that spot it, it it's good for the gram or for YouTube or whatever um but yeah mm. the point of videos is for me is definitely analytical or or enjoyment at a later date more than anything mm. yeah I definitely find gone into that more recently like filming working on things like like really nuanced like sequences and like kind of like have you screenshot the videos side by side and see wherever you like all your joints are and things and that is actually really helpful i found that really useful yeah i guess especially i guess that's my like coaching kind of like head on it but for me that's i i i yeah i watch videos from that analytical point of view and you're like ah okay I thought when you because when you're trying hard, I think you don't really know. You know that's why your flash go is so good. You pull on, you try really hard, you come off, you don't do it, you can't do it for another five goes. It's because you don't know what you've done. You've just tried really hard. Yeah. So if when you if you're watching videos, you can be like, oh, okay, I was a bit higher into my shoulder on that move than I thought, or that that leg was facing that way and not that way. And yeah, yeah, that's really useful. That's like it's why like you know like clients will send me videos of them doing a boulder problem. I'm like, that's great, yeah. And then they'll tell me about the boulder problem they didn't do. And I'm like, have you got any footage of that? They're like, oh, no. I'm like, well, actually, what I want to see is footage of you failing <laughs> on stuff. Like, like I don't, yeah, I'm not bothered about seeing footage of you do stuff other than that it's like, okay, well done. That's cool. It's just confirmation like, something's working. <laughs> exactly, I guess. And, that, and that's nice. But, yeah, you want to see footage of them failing on stuff because they obviously want to do that thing. And therefore, how can you help them do it? Yeah. But going back to what we said earlier, that is one of the nicest things about having a coach at all, is that it's someone who's invested in your climbing. Yeah, for sure. Which is kind of nice. It's really nice to have someone else who's invested. Uh, Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I mean, they're paid to be invested, but it's still nice. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's the reason they are invested. (laughs) Nah, yeah, yeah, I guess it is, but they are invested as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you actually about actually I was wondering this because I'm not actually sure. I think when I was like before I knew you, I'd like watched the videos that you did of your trips. But at the time I think I was under the impression that you were like a full time climber. But were you have you always coached? Or yeah, I've um, never been I mean I, I have a good life like uh, like i don't work as hard as someone working nine to five it's interesting actually this is it's different i don't work as hard as someone who works nine to five in terms of fitting stuff into your life but i never have a day where i don't think about other people's climbing mm-hmm. at least for well probably, at least for the last like 10 years i've never had a day off in a way Mm. Oh wow! Um, which is, is interesting. Actually... It's it's a very it's a really interesting way. I think it's because I I find myself defending my lifestyle a lot because I have, you know, like I have friends who work nine to five and they like and they have a family or, or and they struggle to like train and then they struggle to go away and stuff. But come the weekends, their brain turns off and they focus on family or climbing. And when they go away on a trip, they focus on climbing. Whereas for me, I don't have a weekend. I don't. I do have trips, but I am always thinking of other people's climbing every single day. You know, like sometimes sometimes I lie awake in bed at night <laughs> thinking of how other people's climbing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's also that, exactly the same toss up when you if uh, if you become a business owner, it's exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 you never, I never you're never not worrying about it. 
yeah and i would never choose not to i would never choose to work a nine to five job over what i do i do mm. what i do because it allows me to live the lifestyle that i want to live and 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 works well with mina and isaac but it yeah when things aren't going well it's not an easy you know like i've barely climbed this summer um i'm been quite low at times about my climbing and about not climbing and yet i have to think about other people's climbing mm. and be positive for them and want them to yeah do the best they can do and uh and that's that's hard at times but um yeah so i've co i've basically coached since i well uh, for me there's a difference between instructing and coaching so i started um so i actually started coaching squash when i was 12 so i've i've also I've, i kind of also by not working nine to five i've never not had a job since i was 12 years old so mm -hmm. i kind of i think i've done enough hours over the time <laughs> i started early um, <laughs> but yeah cool. so I, I started coaching squash when i was 12 until i was 19 so i learned a lot of coaching and instructing and, and group skills with that at that period and then after um after <laughs> uni I worked in a child care home, residential care home for a year and basically got to the point where I, yeah, it was, my mind was boggled. It was too much. Um, you know, I'd gone from a brand new member of staff to the most experienced member of staff there in a year. The support wasn't good. So uh, mm. Michelle at the forest at the climbing works offered me an instructing job, which was 2009, I think, April 2009, I started instructing at the works. And then I guess because of the level of my climbing and the fact that I did sports science and the fact that I'd coached, I guess it kind of instructing morphed into instructing coaching and that morphed into coaching and then and then morphed into where I am today. It was quite a, so you've all, kind of almost always had that like supporting sporting role. Yeah, or yeah, or, or every pretty much nearly every job I've ever done is well, not nearly every job I've done other jobs as well, but a lot of jobs is about you know like working on sports camps for kids or working working in a residential care home or it's always been about other people. Um, so uh, okay, yeah, that's just like what yeah, I, do. I, I yeah, I wasn't um, I wasn't actually sure because yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you'd been. Um... Full-time pro. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was never actually here. Yeah, I, was a, I like guess the, my lifestyle looks like I could have been. And, 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 you know, and that's why I've chosen it. And also there are times when I was coaching and doing training, but it wasn't quite as immersive as it is now because I wasn't as, didn't have as many clients or I wasn't as good at it. Um, and so I could travel more. Um, I guess yeah. my last big year of travel was 2019. Um, but I still was a pretty, I was still coaching a lot then. And it just means I work harder in the time when I'm back. And as I said, I still speak to, you know, I have some clients I speak to every single day and yeah. I have some people I speak to once a week and, and so on. Yeah, it's mm. quite, well, that, that's actually the, the f main like feedback I've heard about your coaching stuff is how responsive you are, which is kind of like. I mean, that's something I'm awful at. I find it really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can't be a coach. <laughs> oh god, keep, keep coaching maths. <laughs> but um, but that's like that's quite exhausting in itself. Like just being like, 
switched on all uh, you don't have standardized hours but like it's like kind of can be quite relentless and like uh i find it just messaging individual people like takes me a few days to get back to them and then they respond straight away <laughs> yeah but you have that on a full-time scale but it's also like kind of switching in and out of other people's journeys like as in like obviously i've always you've always struck me as quite like taking your training and everything quite serious or like quite seriously or like as in like very focused on like your own training and things but have you found like is it does do you feel it gets affected by like having to like switch in and out of like your investment into other people's like climbing lives at the same time as well uh, not when i think when as i said when stuff's going well for me it's totally fine um i definitely find it challenging at times um when i'm not when stuff isn't going so well for me um but that's something you learn to cope with and um yeah it kind of mm. yeah it's interesting i guess the, everything i do i've done for the last however many years has always been involved in climbing so when it's not going well for you it makes it hard whether that's setting or whether it's writing about climbing or taking pictures or making videos or, or coaching it's all everything is immersive in climb climbing and so it, it's definitely difficult at times but um yeah it's also yeah. really rewarding and that's why i do it and I enjoy the challenge of it as well. Like I try to work with uh, a broad um, kind of, I can't even think of the word, a broad spectrum of people. Yeah. I don't just work with top end boulders or whatever. It's nice to work with us because that's what challenges you. Yeah. Different people. Comps and rock climbers as well yeah comps and rock climbers and different ages and you know like i have one guy who is you know i'm sure he i won't say his name but like he's i actually don't know how old he is mid 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 40s i would late 40s uh but he's like a business owner he's a dad of three children under 10 his wife doesn't climb he lives in oxford and he's <laughs> a rock climber mm. so he has no rock anywhere near him there's and not he even has, a climbing wall in Oxford, really. <laughs> there's not even a climbing wall really in Oxford, except for the university one, which is <laughs> great. World, yeah. 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 So he um Do you have a home but board? the effort he he does have a home board now. He mainly goes to Oakbrook. Um and because of work because of work allows him to travel a bit like that. But like the amount of effort and the amount of training he gets done and the psych level, considering he his life is not set up to go rock climbing and that's what he likes to do is <laughs> like, it's so inspiring. And so, yeah. So for me, it, I, I like to have a spectrum of people because then you get inspirations from different places and, um, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Climbers end up coupling up and it makes so much sense in that. Like it's such a weird thing we do to have it relatable to the, your partner as well. And also be able to like, kind of, it's so time consuming to be able to do that whilst spending time with them. Um, I'm always quite amazed when people can be so committed to climbing. It must just feel so weird to their partner when they, yeah. when they don't climb themselves. You need to have a very forgiving partner. If, if, if they're not climbing and the only thing you want to do on a holiday is go climbing, yeah. That, yeah. that can be an issue. On the flip side of that, though, something I've learned since having Isaac is that, you know, like, if Mina didn't climb, 
her climbing and her training would be something we didn't need to fit into our lifestyle. Mm. So mm. we had Isaac at the end of May, 2021. So, you know, like whatever, the first few weeks I didn't climb, I didn't train, I didn't do anything. And Mina obviously isn't. My, our, our, my, my role is Mina and Isaac. Mina's role is Isaac. Okay. Mm. So then I slowly start to put in an hour of training here an hour of training there and that builds up to you know training again a reasonable amount of time and then after two or three months i actually didn't climb outside for the first three two and a half three months after isaac and, and then i started to climb outside and then we went away on a trip which was great mina had started climbing again so like so then we have to fit in mina's climbing a little bit and then as she kind of gets more into postpartum further away from the birth she, she starts to train a little bit more so now we're fitting in you know, like my climbing, my training, Mina's climbing, Mina's training, my work. Then Mina starts her diploma again. So we fit that in. Then Mina starts work again. So then we fit that in. And suddenly the time you had is way smaller. So I think on the, yeah, I do agree. I think having a climbing partner, it makes things much, much easier overall. But if you didn't, you don't have to fit in their climbing and training as well. So sometimes it means you have more time. Um, or if you go on trips with friends, you have time for your climbing rather than thinking about what they're doing all the time as well. So yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just different. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a hard life having a climbing mm. girlfriend or wife or whatever. It's just different. And I think, mm. I think it's very easy often for people to look at something and be like oh it's way easier it's that grass is greener isn't it it's way easier to yes. have your life your life is way easier than mine mm. and i think some people sometimes people don't defend that actually it's not always easier it's like everyone says climbing is easier if you're tall but it's not yeah easy. yeah sometimes yeah. it is it's a lot easier when you're tall but it's not always easier when you're tall but for a tall person to say that a boulder is easier if you're short is much more kind of frowned upon than a short person going, that's easier if you're tall. So tall yeah. people often don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they should. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything isn't easier for one person. It's all. And almost all the, if you look at all the cutting edge top boulders, how many of them are tall? <laughs> no. In fact, actually, I would say, you know, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like, on an uh comparing to like some like of the top boulders around the world i'm pretty tall yeah, yeah it's so weird i'm a short individual <laughs> yeah <laughs> i yeah. walk around in most circles and i'm sub average but <laughs> there are definitely things that you can't i guess the thing is with height maybe a tall person can do 99.9 percent .9 of things but they might be a bit harder where there obviously is some things that if you just can't reach, you can't do. Yeah. And that's where that comes from, doesn't it? But yeah, if you look at like, like you look at the comps, other than Andra, every now and then, everyone is like, you know, like you're five, seven to five, nine with a positive ape index. That's basically it really. If you've, because it allows most people, not all people again, but it allows most people to keep their body weight down because they're just a smaller build. Yeah, yeah. So they're bound to be lighter. We, so, we we briefly mentioned this in the pod before, but I do think they the average would be taller if the setters weren't so conscious about setting moves that are too reachy. 
Yeah, it might be. And I mean, that year that Jan, and I'm not saying Jan only won because he's tall, because he didn't. He was a mutant that year. But he, the year that he won the over, overall World Cup season, which I can't remember, 2017, 2018, something yeah, like that. It's, um, I think it's um, 17. When he won that, like, yes, it did help to be taller, but now they've gone so far the other way. Um, yeah, I mean, you just don't see tall athletes doing that well. Yeah, yeah. Other than Andre, but he's so flexible, he can get into things, and he's so good, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Another, another enigma. <laughs> yeah. You, speaking of comps briefly, you <laughs> dabbled in comps, didn't you? Do you do a little bit yeah, of comp? I, yeah, I used to be on the bridge team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was that? <laughs> a waste. A waste. How, how long uh, were you on it you... for? Uh, I got in in 2008 or nine, And I my last comp- competition was 2012. So three, three, two, three, three years. Yeah. Did yeah. you enjoy, enjoy them? <laughs> <laughs> so... For me, looking back, the reason why I got into competitions was I didn't start really climbing. I climbed a little bit in sixth form when I was at school um, with a, our graphics teacher was a climber. So he took us on a Wednesday afternoon. And one of my best friends at school, his dad is actually a bit of an old school climber in Sheffield. So I used to climb with them as well. So, so I did climb. Uh, but I really got into climbing when I went to uni. And the easy way to get into climbing was going to the wall and then. I came from a competitive sports background, so competing seemed to be what just the natural thing to do. So I started going to like competitions. Um, never, never enjoyed them. I was, all, I, don't, I don't think I was really very good at them either. Didn't enjoy them. Got angry. Got found it hard from a self worth perspective. But just took me a few years to realize that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like I would go to competitions and I'd be like, oh, God, that holds horrible. I might split my skin for climbing outside next week. I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, in fact, the, the, my 2012, my last comp, I'd actually basically it was Vail World Cup. And the only reason why I could do it was because uh, we were in Vail. Mina was doing it. Uh, we were in Vail and basically there were, was only Tyler there because obviously people didn't used to travel that much to the they'd do all the european rounds but not that often go to Vale. so basically yeah. there's a spot and i was <laughs> to do with the coaching i might even i can't remember maybe i was part of the coaching team then or something so i wasn't even an athlete anymore but they said i could do it because why not and uh, that was my best comp i did the best <laughs> oh, <laughs> i did the best but it still wasn't very good but i did do the best and i enjoyed it the most um, it's it's but, funny Vale was your that was like my last proper World Cup as well. Um yeah, it's a good comp. It, it is a good comp. And also Colorado has lots of rock. I I think I had like a five and a half, six week trip out there. And my plan was the two weeks before the comp just to train inside and then the time after the comp to climb, just climb outside. And I got there and like was like, ah, oh, like I'll have a session outside and then climbed outside the so entire cool. first two weeks until like <laughs> a couple of days before the comp. Um, but uh, I think yeah. in old school Vale, that was okay. You know, yeah. like when I did Vale, like Daniel and I mean, Killian and Gabri, they were like, you know, like Killian and Gabri were the, were the really good, 
good too. And I remember them having some success, but also like Daniel and would just turn up and still make finals in Vale because you could, because yeah. of like, like what you spoke about it. They, Vale used to be a very hard, crimpy, burly set. And so if you were a good yeah. rock climber, it transferred. Whereas now, obviously it, it doesn't transfer yeah. being a good rock climber. Yeah. It's um, funny how that's ch- changed. I had a chat with Daniel about it in Switzerland. Like he said, he used to say like the time when he, he was doing really well in world cups and he, he won that one unveiled and he uh it was like he was saying his routine was like he'd literally have an outdoor climber's career around colorado and like around the world just being an outdoor climber and then like in like the week before a comp would like just get his skin prepped for plastic and it was like good to go uh yeah. and like i mean like indoor climbing like was born from mimicking the rock features rock. wasn't it yeah um, uh, it's yeah. quite amazing to see like how far they've diverged these days. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a natural thing. Like, you know, like, yeah, like Daniel as well was, a, you know, American national champion, like eight, nine, ten years. He's, yeah. he's won. And then yeah. I think the last one he did, he didn't even make semifinals because the style has just changed so much. Um, I think it's kind of natural. Like, I don't think, I think everyone's too strong to split people on basic climbs anymore. and. This year actually was the first year it's been more basic. It's just not been crimp basic. It's been macro pulling basic. Yeah, it's um, been very powerful this year, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like it. all the like, any the easy boulders have been to the slabs. It's it, this year is really like hurt people who are not as strong. Yeah, but good technically, um, because the easier boulders have tended to be slabs. There haven't been very much coordination movement stuff. And if it has, it's been very strength orientated coordination, like kind of do a very simple movement to a one arm hold. So it's like you can slow it down with being really strong. Yeah. You see the likes of like Jakob and Yannick really coming through this year. Yeah. Yeah. So this year has been definitely a little bit more back to strength based, just on a different style of holds. Um, Yeah. 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 So. I think, yeah, competing was the natural thing for me to do. But if I look back on it, I was actually looking back on some, I was talking, to, I can't remember what I was talking about the other day. Really, for me, it was, yeah, it was a waste of time. I wish I'd, the only useful thing for me competing is from a coaching perspective. It helped me be interested in it. It helped me from a movement. It helped me know what you go through when you're out there on the mats or in isolation. Um, but also when I competed, it was a, you could be kind of good at climbing, go to a comp, do all right at the British Nationals and get on the team. And then I could go to any, I didn't need to get, if I was on the British team, I could go to any comp I wanted to because there weren't enough men going. So I'd be like, I'll go to a comp and you go to a comp. Mm-hmm. It was hardly ever like, oh, you can't go because it's a full quota. So it was easy to go. Like I wouldn't ever have got in if it was as competitive as it is now. I just never was good enough. And that, that's fine. Um, but I guess I thought I was good enough because it was basically pretty easy to get in. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was useful from a learning perspective. Like I didn't enjoy the comps. Um, it didn't, yeah, it wasn't for me. I'm not, I'm not psychologically strong enough to be, a, to be good at competing. When I competed in sports, when I was a teenager, I would smash rackets. I just was, I've never been strong enough in that way. Um, have you ever really had some sort of like soul searching i guess to to wonder why you get angry uh i mean i've done a lot of talking about it 
um i have talked about it with like count uh counselor people um counselors not counselor people counselors mm. <laughs> um i've done a lot of talking about it with mina um i don't know maybe there's something from my childhood <laughs> or maybe it's a self-worth maybe it's an ego i think i've always in the climbing perspective i think i've always wanted to be better than i am and I don't, and I don't know why I base that on anything. Because if I was better than I was, I would just want to be better than I was anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel. I, I guess I used to feel like if I'm better, everything would be great. And 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 maybe I think I did used to want to be a full time climber as well. And so if I was better, it would allow me to be a full time climber. Um. And therefore, maybe I felt hard done by mm. when I wasn't, and so that would i'd get angry and that or i thought i was better than i was maybe and then that then i have this ego and then when i'm not as good as i am i let it, it becomes frustration frustra frustrating it's funny though the way you kind of differentiate that because i've noticed when you're watching competitions particularly the people who get really angry or you can separate into different camps because some people get really angry at the boulder and they feel hard done by and they're gesticulating it you know it's it's too hot it's too slippery you've not brushed it right this is unfair and the other half get really angry at themselves like how have i just fallen off that move how have i you know messed up the top sequence and it is quite interesting because it kind of is the same it's the same result but it is like the, the actual emotion behind it is totally different yeah yeah, I would always get angry at myself. For me, it's mm. a self-worth thing. Um, I mean, I would blame conditions and stuff, but who doesn't really? Yeah, everyone um, does, yeah. But, like, yeah, I would get angry at myself. And that's why I, I think it's interesting because, I actually, I think blaming external factors isn't blaming the boulder for being shit or blaming <laughs> the root setters for setting a shit boulder or using those holds it's not helpful. There's nothing you can do about it. Having said that, I think once you leave the mats, it allows you to not beat yourself up quite as much. Mm. But so blaming yourself from an internal perspective, oh, I'm shit. I'm not good enough to do this boulder problem. Like I need to be this is useful because you can do something about it. But when you leave the mats, you're still shit because <laughs> yeah. you thought you were. And therefore, yeah. that then go, can go down that kind of self-depreciation, that self-worth. And you can go down that rabbit, Warren, which if you then don't have someone to help you get, get you out of that, help to make you better, then next time you do it, it will be exactly the same. And, that, and that's the... So I think the external isn't useful. The internal is a more useful way, but you have to do something about it yeah, or have the support to help you do something about it. And you need the support. I don't think there's many people who can in, be internally like that and do it solely on their own because they'll mm. never get out of the hole. Yeah, it's really fascinating to watch some people uh, who are competitors kind of lose that self-belief and if you if you lose that then you ask you need to get it back or you're done yeah um i know we spoke a lot about that with billy and it is interesting to watch like 
you have so you, you, well. you have to you have to believe in yourself and it's fascinating when you can kind of tell that someone's really struggling internally even when they've got all of the ability and credentials yeah. you know sometimes it's just gone and that's just the fascinating thing about sports psychology yeah yeah it's it's yeah so it's really interesting and that's why I think when you, I guess a lot of the younger athletes nowadays do have support, whether that's they've come up through coaching and they have a national team support or whether it's that they just have a coach and they have that support um, or whether it's just that they're really mature and they they can do it themselves or whatever. But I do think it's, it's, it's so important to have that like support and to, yeah, sports psych is obviously everyone says yeah. it's such a huge part of it, and it and it is. I think it's the best thing certainly the British team could do for themselves would be to hire a sports psychologist. I think it's so yeah, valuable. or a counselor, and, and they and they don't and they don't have one, and I think they should. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a de- it's a it's a, it's a difficult yeah it's a really difficult thing. The thing is, you need that support from you need the support individually. And you, a lot of people need it. Wouldn't need it a lot. So I wonder whether almost one psychologist would be enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Everyone needs their own. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, that support is so so vital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also important. Yeah, it's quite individualistic. Who you can't just hire someone and automatically be able to work with them in such a it's quite like a trusting role yeah it's yeah, a really personal yeah. relationship yeah i imagine if you were a sports psychologist that worked with climbers you'd, your phone would ring a lot after every single competition <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> i mean as a, as a coach you uh yeah yeah <laughs> you actually almost have to adopt a little of that role i guess yeah well, yeah totally as like a yeah i mean i'm not a trained psychologist or anything i've read some books um but yeah you um yeah i mean i think i'm not i'm a phys i i think physical coaching is part of what i do but i'm a friend i'm a shoulder to cry on i'm a count yeah i am a counselor at time i'm a nutritionist at times it's like i don't i don't just do one thing that's um and that's partly because of the where climbing currently is in its development i think like like yeah. in in 40 years time no one will be doing it all like you have to do at the moment because there's no one else to do it i think in 40 years time people will get a lot more help from different places certainly the guys they, the guys at the top level i'm talking yeah, about yeah the, the top but i'm not just talking about that yeah I'm, yes mm. i do all that for comp- competitions but i also do that for guys for people who climb 7b plus at the weekend yeah and, yeah, yeah. That's like, and they're never going to yes, pay a always gonna be, yeah. and a psychologist and yeah. a coach, and therefore coaching is nearly always going to be the thing that comes up trumps. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, I was actually um, only talking about the top guys. When yeah, I yeah. No, that. no, no. I know. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's and and that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's the fascinating thing. It is, it is good, but it means you. It pushes you a lot more because you have to. Um, there's a lot of stuff to learn or to look at or to think about because it's not just, oh, I need to make your forearm physically fitter. Um, So, I mean, now, you know what? Like I have dads who I now do training for. So they're like, so I'm learning, you know, having a child helped me 
mm. in a way you can relate because, to sleep deprivation and exactly or like <laughs> how much is actually possible and uh so yeah it's there's like all that that's why being a coach is like i think um at least in climbing is is a lot about life experience i think as well at times it's not like it's about taking life experience and then being able to use it it's not about like this was my experience so this will be your experience because that's obviously everyone's experience is different but if you can take experiences and hopefully use that to help what you do then i think that's useful and that's kind of the way i i am and my my coaching and i think my personality is when um uh mark uh glennie and i used to kind of run the british team we're both like totally different characters and it would come to like a selection of the team and the way we actually did it is we almost did our own selections and then we'd compare and Mark would always do it from a numbers spreadsheet perspective. And I would do it from a visual, what I'm seeing, what I'm getting from the person when we talk to them and stuff like that. And we would, you know, like we would basically have exactly the same list of athletes. Um, and I think that's, yeah, it's, so it's just the different ways that we work. And um, I think sometimes I wish I was a bit more numbers um based but i think that that would also mean that i would lose characteristics and traits for the kind of other way that i there's yeah. almost there's almost an argument that like climbing's too varied to be reduced to numbers as well in many ways like as in like it's so unmeasurable in terms of like i don't know maybe rowing you can like see people's like 5ks and like kind of mm. like measure all this thing to get a good idea of their fitness and everything but like you never quite have that to the same degree in climbing like it needs that like kind of personal touch of what could do well like obviously the style of setting and things makes such a big difference and like i don't know it's so changeable you might like you might look at like say like the team at the moment and max might have a bad day on selection or just not get borders that suit him but you never be like i won't send him to the comps next year because you know he's going to do amazing and like you yeah. kind of like you need that um the hard person. that's that objectivity versus subjectivity and the yeah. difficult the difficult thing with that is and and what what happens with us at least when we're talking about competition climbing and selections and stuff is that that allows for muddy water yes really people get pissed off (laughs) because yes you are right aiden like okay so max next year is he's top 10 so he's guaranteed his place yeah and rightly so he should he should but let's say max wasn't top 10 he'd made a few semi-finals and then so like let's say he was the best athlete still this year but not as good as he had been yeah, and then he turns up, and the and GB decide that his selection thing is if you do this well on this day, then you compete next year. And he doesn't do well on that day. Should he go in because of this year's performances, because he was the best, but not as good as he was, or should he be selected on that performance on that day? And there, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. 
but it that the subjectivity versus objectivity makes selections from a competition perspective very difficult and that's where numbers do help and that's yeah. like the the benefit of numbers from that perspective and i'm not a numbers person so it's not that's shooting myself in the foot but it's, it's relatable but that's yeah. where it's really useful and uh, one of the sure. other things that uh climbing's had a slight issue with is obviously sometimes the people who are making that decision actually have a personal relationship and coach some of the people they're making decision about Mm-hmm. which makes it a bit again muddies the waters a little bit makes it a little bit harder because then if someone doesn't get selected they may feel there was a preferential treatment to you know someone yeah. else so that makes it hard but if you look at other sports they mostly focus on the old adage of um form is temporary and class is permanent and the better players will get selected based on previous performances like you don't constantly chuck in new players just because they're doing well but Maybe that's more of a team sport thing, though, I guess, because, you know, in climbing, it doesn't matter, does it? But Yeah. I mean, it's still like, it, it, yeah, I still think it's, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things you kind of, if you've been in it a lot, it, it, you just know, like, just kind of yeah, I know that that athlete might not win in a national comp. But I know that you send them to an international comp and they will guaranteed do better than some mm. of those people that beat them in a national comp. Mm. It's just you just know. But do you select them on that? Or do you select them on the fact that these couple of people beat that person? And yeah. And it's hard because they're usually your mates as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why climbing yeah. is totally like everyone knows everyone. It's too small a sport. Like there's no there's very few people in climbing who aren't climbers yeah 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 that makes everything so difficult yeah in 10 years time this won't be an issue but and everybody who's not selected will passionately believe you've got it wrong yeah and and it's unfair yeah because it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's yeah it's not an enviable job to be honest if you if you if you know the people you're trying to choose between it's not an enviable job no for sure it's definitely difficult um i had something uh, yeah slightly slightly controversial speaking of previous comps uh did you i imagine you did watch the bbc's the british bouldering championships i was there for both days and I, I'd be curious to see what you made of the last boulder in men's semis, <laughs> which, so I'll give a quick description for everyone listening who, who, who well watched it, but basically it, it, it ended, um, actually I should prefix this whole thing by saying that route setting is a really complicated and difficult job uh, and that nobody, everyone is human and nobody is going to get it right every time. And not, that's not even saying that they got it wrong, but I think it's worth saying that because Root says this cops so much flack every time and it's a really difficult job. Yeah, but um, the last boulder in semi-finals ended with the last hold was unholdable. It was just like a plate on the wall, roughly. Um, and the climbers needed to get a knee bar scum so they could double match it. And I couldn't see it that well because I was only watching at home. But it looked to me as though certainly the really short climbers like like Max, physically, their shin was not long enough to fit into that knee bar and therefore couldn't do the boulder. But I also noticed that all of the people that you coach, Dave, did the boulder. (laughs) But what did you think of that? Did you think that that looked 
from like when you could see it and did that look fair or did that look a little bit yeesh um so there are a few things for that um uh so i'll start off with the smallest competitor in semi-finals did it the tallest competitor in semi-finals did it and the mediumist competitor in semi-finals <laughs> did it really is is, is so alex, that's is alex that's, shorter than max yeah he's not uh so that but being small doesn't mean you have small shins i haven't right. measured their shins yeah, him, <laughs> and Ma- him and max are basically exactly the same i think, oh, I, think right, maybe, okay. I think maybe max has slightly longer arms but that doesn't help either in this in this situation so from that perspective basically this boulder wasn't getting any tops Mm. everyone was getting up to the end trying to match you know like jim flashed to the end and spent two and a half minutes trying to match that last hole <laughs> yeah. and then felt and then was, didn't match it he got it really pretty, close but didn't. yeah it was pretty similar with will as well yeah and it was the same with will um but and then billy did it flashed it mm. billy's the tallest or one of the tallest out there in the semi-finals so everyone was like oh it's just if you're tall and then mm. alex came out and did it and he's the smallest or one of the smallest Mm. It took him a lot longer to put it in than it did for Bill, but still he did it. And also, and then Nathan came out, who was bang medium, height wise, not at climbing. <laughs> bang average as me. Took him a little <laughs> bit more time than than Bill, but not quite as much time as Alex, and did it. So um, that kind of destroys anyone's thing of this isn't fair. But mm. I agree, it was not a great boulder problem for in the ending and the the problem is the zone was too easy to get so mm. because a lot of people got the zone it meant that those then people then tended to get up to the top and 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 fall off and but everyone got the same so if the zone had been a little bit harder to get some people would have got the zone got to the top and fallen off but other people wouldn't have even got the zone so that would give them at least something that other people didn't have but yet yeah, Basically, the foothold was in a certain place. There was very little else you could do other than use that foothold in order to get the knee to work enough for you to take both hands off and match the top hold. So, yes, it yeah, it, it wasn't a great mm. last move, but it didn't mean people couldn't do it. I, I agree actually watching Max. Max's shins probably must be smaller than Alex's. He did really – he looked like he was miles off doing it, definitely. But – most people in that comp will have had bigger shins than Alex and they didn't do it. Um, mm. Like Jim was really close. Jim was probably the closest other person. Yeah, Jim was like, super, super close. Yeah. Hand off. So the thing I put that is for me, most of the climbers who did it are really good rock climbers and it was a very rock climbery move. Jim is also very good at rock climbing and he was the other person who was the closest to doing it. Yeah, I um, suppose the the anomaly there is Will Bosey didn't do it. He hates knee bars. Yeah, so but he's, you know, he was the best rock climber in the field. Mm, no, he's the strongest rock climber and climbs the most limestone hard boulders. Yeah, doesn't mm. mean he's the best rock climber technically. I'm not. Mm. Will's amazing. Don't Will, if you're <laughs> listening to this, you're a great climber. <laughs> but I, he's maybe not technically the best. Johnny Dawes would have done that. Yeah. Move. Okay. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair but enough. he's not. So. I'm not so for me, it was a very rock climbery move. And one of the answers, I yeah, I do agree. It's not, it wasn't the best boulder problem. I totally agree with anyone who's arguing my points. So, Mark, whose athletes didn't do it, said, I want to set that exact boulder problem in Leeds and I want to work out what it is that Alex, Nathan, and Billy did 
that his guys didn't do. Mm. So he was he wasn't like, oh, this is an outrage. He was like, I want to learn from that. And that's you... the difference. <laughs> that's the difference there is that a lot of people were like, that boulder's shit. And yes, whether it was good or bad, you don't need to have elicit an emotional response from it because that's not going to help. Mm. A boulder being good or bad doesn't help you do it or learn from it. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Mark yeah. was like, I want to learn from this boulder so that if this ever does happen again, how can as many athletes do it as possible? And that's what you need to do from it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Remember, but I, I do remember. agree it wasn't great. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. I kind of hadn't made up my mind either way. It's why, because I, I really wanted to ask your opinion. Um, I don't think it was a great move because too many people got to the top and spent two and a half minutes. Whether it's a whether they could have done it or not, it's not great from a viewer. No, yeah, it was. It wasn't great. Yeah, you just felt bad for people. Yeah, so it, it wasn't a great, great, great boulder. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah, not, it didn't mean it wasn't. Right it didn't mean it wasn't doable for more people. And that, and just because it was a knee bar, it doesn't mean that it's not an important skill. And those climbers, you're not testing comp climbers how strong they are. You're testing comp climbers on everything. And their skill level is part of it. And doing a knee bar is part of that. It's like hand jamming. Whether you yeah. like hand jams or not, hand jams are in comps. So you can either be like, that's shit and fall off it every time, or you can learn hmm. how to do it. So when hand jams started to be more prevalent in comps, Nathan got a friend of mine, Rob Smith. He had a session with Rob Smith at the depot to teach him to hand jam mm. because he recognized that he needed to be better at them. Because a hand jam in a comp, if you can do it, you'll flash the boulder. Yeah, They're yeah. easy. They're never hard hand jams. But if you can't do it, you'll never do it. So he did what he needed to do to be able able to flash those boulders and, and that's the same with knee bars and the same with a heel hook or a toe hook you know if i fell off a move on a toe hook repeatedly i wouldn't just go oh that toe hooks are rubbish mm. i'd go and learn how to toe hook better i guess the only extra thing i'd put in which works for both knee bars and hand jams in comps is because obviously they're so careful about people bleeding and like if you bleed, you've got to tape yourself up and that takes time out of your five minutes. And the problem with both hand jams and knee bars is you're not allowed to wear crack gloves or knee bar knee pads. Bar. Yeah. And so you are very likely to bleed. And if you do bleed, that takes a lot of time while you're taping it up. Yeah, also, totally. Also quite unhygienic. Yeah, it's unhygienic. <laughs> and also, like, they're, they're pretty uncomfortable. Knee barring onto, like, a really, you know, fiberglassy yeah. hole, it's not comfortable, especially if you fall out of it a couple of times, you're going to be bleeding. I mean, root climbers aren't there to set comfortable stuff. Yeah. I would be the first person to say that. Um, my The one comeback for that would be at least it was the fourth boulder and the last move on that yes. fourth boulder. Yeah. And most people only got there once because they spent the next three minutes trying to put it in. Yeah. But it yeah, also I, didn't, thankfully, like they'd done a good enough job with the other boulders that it didn't really yeah. give any massive surprises, you know, like... Yeah. the right people probably made it in and and you know it was it was it was they succeeded over their four boulders i'm just not convinced that last move on the last boulder was was legit yeah i i agree but whatever mm. it is what it is you, it doesn't matter nothing's fair you just have to no. do what you've got in front exactly, of you yeah. <laughs> so and that's yeah. like the one of the biggest things with comp climbers is getting them to understand that it's not 
the root setters don't hate you they just want you to fall off and like <laughs> yeah. like it's not you need to take emotion out of it it's nothing like, personal yeah <laughs> yeah totally, exactly yeah because they also probably live in your house as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> that won't have been max's boulder <laughs> I don't <reckon>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that would be funny <laughs> All right, that's where we're leaving it for now. Um, funnily enough, when I after I finished uh, recording the intro, um, I started absentmindedly singing um, "Rocket Man" by Elton John, uh, and to my absolute horror, I noticed that the microphone was still recording. So I, I really hope, genuinely quite paranoid that it somehow snuck in there. Um, if that has stuck in there, then apologies for that. I'm not. I'm not using this podcast as a means to uh, launch my music career, um, which if you'd heard me sing, you'd, you'd know is not going to happen. Um, sorry, enough about that. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's all we've got time for from Dave for this week. Uh, but we have another another episode of it coming up. I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. It's a slightly different um, vibe, a little bit more like our first episodes, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed doing it, so I hope it's I hope it's all right to listen to. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs>